Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Um, turn with me, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, I'm not going to preach for long. Someone said you say that every week. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Acts chapter 9 and verse 4. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. This is Saul. Saul, before he became Paul, he's walking down the road. He's on his way to kill some Christians. Uh, he was a bad dude at this time and uh, full of bitterness, full of hatred, full of anger. And he's on his way um, to do some damage against the kingdom of God. And um, he has an encounter with God uh, whereby uh, the Lord shows up and the Bible says that a light a light shone so bright that uh, it throws Paul and uh, he loses his sight. And in verse four, it says, then he fell to the ground and a voice from heaven, uh, I'm sorry, he fell to the ground, a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Good time for Saul to freak out right there, isn't it? Um, it is hard for you to kick against the goads, which means a goad was a sharp prong or, 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 or tool that they would use to, to proke or to, to, to um, stick into livestock to get them moving or to point them in a direction. And, and God's saying to him, it's hard for you to, you're trying to push against me and against my kingdom. It's hard for you to do that, isn't it, Saul? God's sort of playing with him a little bit. Like God's just shown up and he says, this is not working out the way you thought it was gonna work out, is it, Saul? He says, it's hard for you to kick against the goes. So he trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. There he was three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank. I wanted to share from this story because I think it fits so well into this little series we've sort of been looking at in the last two weeks. This would be our third week as we've been unwrapping um, the subject of our purpose. In week one, we talked about what it is to be pushed by your purpose. That sometimes you might have things going on around you that want you to give up, want you to stay where you are, or may even want you to take a step back. But if you have connected with something of the purpose of God for your life, it'll be that purpose that will actually push you forward into what God has called you to. Week two, we talked about what it is to praise on purpose. We saw this, we identified that there is something of a pattern of praise woven throughout Paul's life where no matter what it is that he seems to encounter, that there is always a praise that comes out of him. Why? Because Paul has established that he's not gonna praise based upon circumstances because that won't last. Sometimes we go through things that do not warrant praise. He's not gonna praise based upon what people tell him to do, based upon what's going on around him, based upon how happy he is with his situation. He is gonna be somebody that is He's gonna praise on a purpose that says, I am here to give God glory no matter what it is that I am walking through. 
Week three, I want to talk surrounding this story because this story fits so well as we look at the life of Paul because we know we're reading about somebody called Saul. But if you know this story, you know that we're in fact talking about the very same man. That this is the moment where everything changed. As we've looked in these last few weeks, we've been so inspired by the purpose that is stirring within Paul's heart all throughout these books and all throughout these letters, 13 books in the New Testament written by Paul. So many of them refer to and allude to this this purpose that Paul has within him that just keeps him going. And the reason why I wanna share from this story is because this story, we find this moment where Paul is in fact positioned into his purpose. And that's what I wanna talk to you surrounding today. I want to talk about positioned for purpose. As we conclude this little series, it's important because I want you to understand as we talk about this word position today, I'm not just talking about a geographical location, although for some people that sometimes can mean that. That when I talk about positioning yourself for your purpose, it's talking about For some of you, maybe that positioning is changing a mindset. Maybe it's changing the way in which you're thinking in order for you to be able to receive what God has for you. It's not that God isn't speaking great things over your life, but some of you have some filters in your mind and your thinking that you need to get rid of of because they're stopping what God is declaring over your life from getting through into your spirit. That for some of us, changing our position means changing the heart motives that we have. It's important because all throughout Scripture, you can actually see whenever God sets somebody up into their purpose, so often in Scripture, He would change their position. There there was in fact circumstances where God would actually call somebody to get out of where they were geographically that I think the reason why God did that so many times through Scripture is because He knows who we are as people. He knows our tendency, while we talk so much about not being affected by our surroundings, I think the reality is, we've got to be honest, that sometimes more often than not, we actually are affected by our surroundings. So sometimes God's purpose for our life is so great, He says, I'm going to take that into account. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually move you from your surroundings because where you are right now is actually causing a blockage as to the purpose I'm trying to declare over your life and I need you to get out of where you are so you can receive what it is that I've called you to. We see this happen in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. We see this story where Abram is is given direction by God to move from where he is in order to receive what it is that God wants to declare over his life. I want to read this for you just real quickly because this paints a powerful picture that I want you to get in order for you to understand how important this message is in regard to your position. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. This is what God speaks over Abram, but Abram doesn't get it. He cannot see it. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I, as I go childless? 
And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, he's speaking of his natural eyes. Abram says to God, I'm trying to receive this purpose. But the problem is I'm filtering this purpose through my circumstances. Abram says, look, he says, I I cannot see you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Look at this verse five. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heavens. See what God was doing with Abram was God was recognising that the purpose that I have for your life is so great that I need you to move your position from where you are right now. Abram was praying this prayer in a tent. So he was surrounded by limitation, naturally speaking. And what God was doing was, He said, I want you to move geographically. I need you to get out of this tent because you're allowing the natural circumstances of your life right now to hold back the ability of your eyes in the Spirit to see what it is I've called you to. Come outside, Abram. And look up and tell me, is there a limitation to my purpose for your life? Look up and tell me, is there a roof on the potential that I've called you to? Look up right now and tell me, is there not a purpose upon your life that is greater than any limitation? But in order for you to receive it, I need you to move. I need you to move from where you are in order for you to catch where it is that I've called you to go. I'm talking about what it is to be positioned for your purpose. This is important to God. So important that when man first sinned, God comes back into the garden. Remember Abraham, Adam and Eve, they screwed it up for everybody. And God comes back into the, into the garden. But what God does not do, He doesn't come into the garden and start yelling out, Adam, why'd you do that, bro? Hey, what are you, stupid? You got all of this stuff that you could have been enjoying. And you're messing around with the one thing I told you not to. God could have gone down this road and had this discussion. No, 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 what does He do? He walks in and He says this one thing. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam, what you did is not bothering so much as where you've gone. Where you've gone, your position has changed, Adam. You've stepped away from my presence, Adam. You've allowed sin to separate yourself from me, Adam. I need you to move in order for you to get repositioned into what I have called you to. See, position matters to God. And if you want to receive the purpose that God has for your life, you have to change your position. You've got to be positioned correctly into what God wants for you. We see this happening in this story. This is the moment where Paul is repositioned. I'm sorry, Saul is repositioned in this moment through one God encounter. Saul, he had dedicated his life to resisting Jesus. He had dedicated his life to killing Christians. And here he is marching down the road and he has this encounter with God and God shows up on the scene. And I love what he says to him. I love that God comes to Saul and he says this one question. He says, Saul, why are you doing this? This is so powerful, church. I want you to see because in this moment, through this one, one question, you've got one, of, you, you got one of the greatest 
opposing forces, one of the greatest opposing people to the kingdom of God. Saul has dedicated his life to this. But God comes and disarms this man with one question. Because you look after Saul's response. He says in verse 5, he said, Who are you, Lord? Lord? You, you, all of a sudden, see that one word Lord is actually powerful. We look at it and think it's just a title. It's not. That word Lord, it speaks of a level of surrender. Hang on a second. Are we not talking about Saul? Are we not talking about the guy that is so opposed to the kingdom being advanced? The guy that's dedicated his life to wiping out Christians? All of a sudden, one question from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this killer is now disarmed to being one that has surrendered his life to this God that moments earlier he was so opposed to. Shows us how powerful one word from God can be over our life. Shows us how powerful you can be so caught in pain, in bitterness, in sin. And one word from God received over your life can turn everything around in just a moment. If you're someone who comes to the house of God and reads your word with a heart that says, God, I want you to speak to me. And you receive that over your life. Your life can turn around. You can be forgiven. You can be set free in just a moment. If you would be somebody that is, a, that is open to hear what that word is over your life. God comes and He speaks it. And He says, so why are you doing Doing this? Why are you doing what you're doing? And Saul says to him, I'm, Lord, he says, who, who are you? And then he speaks to him and he says, I'm Jesus. That would be a good moment for Saul to freak out right there. He says, I'm Jesus. Saul would be like, whoa, hey, not the Jesus I've been opposing. Wow, sorry about everything. Hey, can we like be cool right now? I realise you're more powerful than me. Hey, that's, that's a moment where if you're Saul, you take a back step. You're like, hey, 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 no one wants to fight here, God. Like this, it wasn't, it wasn't what Saul was probably expecting. He's, he's on the road. He's rolling. This guy's ready to go smoke some Christians. He's ready to take some dudes out. And then all of a sudden, the Jesus that he's so opposed to shows up in front of him and the script gets flipped in a moment. Now the God that he's been so adamantly against, he's now standing in front of him. It wasn't what Saul expected. Not only is he standing in front of him, not only was it not what Saul expected, but he has this encounter with God. And, and as we just read in the story, when the light shines, Paul, uh, Saul loses his sight. Now, now, now things have happened. Things have taken a turn radically in a direction that he did not expect it would go. You ever been in those moments where you thought one thing was gonna happen? And then something else happened. Those situations where you had it all planned out. Is the word that I want you to write down, and I'm going to jump straight to it for sake of time. Otherwise, we're going to go too long. But I want you to write down three words if you're taking notes. I want you to write down pain, promise, and process. These are three things that, can position you for your purpose. It's the pain that you experience, it's the promise that you hold to, and it's the process that you will embrace. 
The reason why I start that first one off is because I think that's what Saul was essentially experiencing at the start of this encounter. It's the pain through an unexpected turn of events. I've found that the things that you don't expect are often the things that hurt you the most. Because if I know something's coming, I can prepare for it. But if something comes my way that I didn't know was coming, it means that I'm not prepared for it, which means my guard is not up, which means I'm more susceptible to the hit, I'm more vulnerable and the hit hurts that much more. It's it's the unexpected turns sometimes that throw us into a frenzy. It's the unexpected turns sometimes that cause us to open the door to fear and to doubt and to anxiety because I thought things were gonna go this way, but now they're not going this way. And now I don't know what to stand on because I've been so used to operating in what I'm familiar with. I thought marriage was gonna be this way, but we seemed to get along great when we were dating. But now the moment there's a covenant, isn't that interesting? that the devil is not threatened by by a boyfriend and girlfriend. But the moment a covenant is made before God, that relationship seems to come under more attack than you've ever encountered in your life. Could it be that that covenant all of a sudden created a connection between you as a couple and the God you serve and something powerful happened? It was the unexpected. The unexpected can throw us quicker sometimes than we realise. The pain of my circumstances, though, is often necessary to reveal His power over it. The pain of my circumstances is often necessary. See, we're not going to shout on that. Why is it necessary to reveal His power over what it is I'm going through. I needed to go through it. I needed to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to. But I needed to go through it. Because it's one thing to preach about God being the one that will bless me. But it's another thing to preach it when I've walked through brokenness and I've lived a life that's been broke and I experienced Him as my blesser, I come out of that with a stronger declaration to the goodness and glory of God. Why? Because I went through it. You know the best person to come and pray for you that needs a healing is somebody that's been healed. Because they've beaten that giant before. They knocked that sucker out back in the day and they're gonna come with an authority over your life that will look at it from a perspective of victory and say, if God did it for me back then, then God can do it for you right now. I've seen His power over it and I've got the faith to believe that you will come out of this and come out victorious. Why don't you give God praise right now because you know that He has power over your life pain but the but the but the pain that you experience actually positions you for your purpose the pain from that breakup caused you not to mess with those type of idiots anymore in your life and it positioned you for the person that God has for you maybe you need to text your ex and just say thanks for being a jerk because now I know what not to look for 
but it was, it, some of you, that was too real. Hey? Some of you are like, do it after the service. But it, you learnt something. You learnt something. Consider it, James says, I consider it pure joy. Pure joy. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Pure joy. You know what I mean? Sounds like it could be like a cocktail. I'll just get two pure joys, thanks. <laughs> sounds like something sweet. Sounds like something. Until you're walking through hell and you've got to declare over your hell, it's pure joy. Consider it pure joy. I may face trials and testings of many kinds at the development of perseverance. Establishes faith, establishes strength. Pain positions me for my purpose. The second thing I wanted you to write down is promise. You've got to have pain you experience and you've got to have promise that you hold to, that you hold to, that you hold to. Not just, not just promise of speaking of the Word of God. Not just, not just promise that you know how to quote. It's promise that you hold to. Not just, not just promise that you've got written on a page somewhere. It's promise that you hold to. Not just promise that you've, got, that you've seen on a plaque on grandma's wall. It's promise that you hold to. Not just, not just a little cool tattoo that you got on your arm and when you're in college it's, it's something that's not just inked on your skin it's deposited deep down within your heart and within your spirit you hold to it you're standing on it you're firm on it you are so unshakable when you're standing upon the promises of God it's the only thing that will remain it's the only thing that stays the same the promises of God you've got to have pain that you experience but you've also got to have promise that you can stand on so when the family's going crazy you got a promise in the word. It's not just. It's not just. This is not just a book of like pretty rhymes and catchy phrases for you to speak out and put on bumper stickers. This is a God ordained purpose for your life that is written from God by God for you for this day right now. If you believe it, you can receive it over your life. So when things are going crazy in your family, you can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't feel it. I don't see it, but I know it's true in God's Word. So I'm going to declare it and I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold on to it. The tenacity to hold on to your promise develops in you the faithfulness required to keep it. To keep it. And you get it, you hold it, you gotta keep it, you gotta fight for that thing. You gotta understand the enemy does not want people believing and declaring in the promises of God. Catch phrases, he can rip those out of you as quick as you got them. But if you get a promise from God, you can remind him, this is the sword of the Spirit. This is what I'm declaring, that God goes before me. He makes a way. He covers me. He orders my steps. He surrounds me. There's a hedge of protection around my family. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. When the enemy comes one way, he's going to flee seven ways. These are promises from God, and you've got to know what it is to hold, hold on to them. Process, pain you experience, promise you hold to, and a process that you embrace. Look at this. Saul has an encounter, has an encounter with God. Essentially, going by these, these words, he surrenders his life. He has an encounter with God and he says, Lord, he says, trembling and astonished, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what to do. It doesn't give him much, does he? Yeah, I mean, let's look at this. Your soul. Imagine your soul. You, 
you had lived your life up to this moment based upon complete and utter lie. You'd been living for a purpose that wasn't even right, that wasn't even true. He's been against God, against the things of God. He has an encounter with God, turns his life radically around, gets blinded, physically blinded during the process of this encounter. And then God says to him, get up, go into the city and I'll tell you the rest later. Come on, you'd be right. I mean, you're blind, bro. Like, you'd be like, like, what are you kidding me? What? What, what, what do you mean? That's, that's all, there's no like pep talk. Come on, God, give me some, give me some, you know, vision. I'd be quoting, you know, Scripture out of context. Without vision, people perish, Lord. Give me something. No. No, no, no. Because... Minimal instructions releases maximum faith. So if I tell you, listen, sometimes I look at that and I think, God, it's not very nice, is it? It's not real nice. Like God knows all of these amazing things. We're talking about Paul. This is Saul right now, but he becomes Paul. This dude ends up becoming, they say, arguably, the person that is most powerful in Christianity other than Jesus. God could have said to him, hey, Saul, listen, bro, listen, I know you can't see, but let me bring it in. Let me tell you something. I want you to go into the city. You're going to be amazing. One, you're going to get your sight back. You're going to write 13 books of the Bible. Come on, how many know if you were Saul and you'd heard that, you'd tune in, wouldn't you? You'd be like, okay, talk to me. Let's go. You're going to be one of the most influential, if not the most influential person in Christianity outside of Jesus Christ. Come on, if that's not a pep talk, bro, you'd be ready to do anything, wouldn't you? You know what God says to him of all of that? Nothing. He just says, get up and go. You know what this speaks to? It speaks to Saul in this moment, willingness to surrender everything and just be obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense. How many of you are missing your purpose because you won't change your position because you don't embrace the process? But sometimes to embrace the process, it's a process that we're not sure what's gonna happen on the next turn. But the beauty of that is it keeps us putting our faith in our Saviour and not the process. Listen to me. Do you know what God said to Abraham? Go. Go, that's right, go. He said, go. Do you know what He said to Noah? Build. Build what? An ark? What's an ark? It's like a boat. What's a boat? Just shut up and do it. It's gonna rain. What's rain? Like I said, shut up and do it. You know what he said to Esther? Speak. You know what he said to Daniel? Pray. 
hang on God, they've said if I pray, then I'm gonna die. That's what the process looks like. That's where this thing's headed, God. You really want me to pray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be committed to what I've directed you to do and not to the process. He says, just go pray. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, God says to them, you know what I want you jokers to do? I want you to stand. Hang on, God. If I was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I'd be like, hey, hey. Hey, bro, listen, I don't know if you can call God bro, but I'll be like, stand? What are you missing here? All these cats around me are bowing down. Do you know how hot that fire is? God doesn't say, listen, I want you to stand and they're gonna put you in the fire, but it's okay because I've got an angel in there and it's gonna be okay and you're gonna come out of it and it's not gonna touch you and it's not gonna burn. You're not even gonna smell like you've been in the fire. Then it'd be okay. It would make more sense, wouldn't it? I'll be like, okay, I'm going to stand. Let's do this. He says, no, no, no. I just want you to stand. He said to Jonah, I want you to preach. He said to David, watch this. He says to David, I want you to throw. Throw. Throw what? Throw a stone. That'll work. What are you kidding? We, we look at this like they're pretty stories. Can you imagine? He says to Moses, I want you to speak. God, I cannot speak. I've got a st- 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 I've got a stutter. Notice that he loves using people and their inability to do things to position them in the purpose that he has for them. Because what's so great is when he does that, their natural gifting and ability won't get the glory their God will. Where where do we get off trying to impress God with what we're good at? He gave it to us in the first place. I gave my son a toy aeroplane at Christmas time. He's two. You know what he did? He got that plane. He ran it around the house and then he brought it back to me and said, plane. I said, I know. I gave it to you. He kept showing me like he was, it was something that I hadn't seen before. And we laugh about it, but that's how we are with God sometimes. We come with the gifting that He gave us thinking He's gonna be impressed by it. Let me tell you something, God doesn't care. It's not your gifting, it's your weakness. Bring Him your weakness and His power is made perfect in your weakness. We too often are hiding our weakness, trying to impress God with our strength and our ability. If you would embrace the process, the process. When I got saved, I got saved, and I'm gonna close with this. I got saved, gave my life to Jesus. I had my life to Jesus and I went to church. I went down the front. I said, I want to do this all in. I was like an extremist. If I'm going to do it, we're doing it all in. I said, God, I give you my life. Went home, broke up with my girlfriend, quit my job, moved from where I was to live in my parents' house, moved back to my parents' house. And the, and the, and the, and the, the church had an internship, a college and I went to the intern pastor the week I got saved. And I said, bro, I need you to give me a spot. I was 23. He said, how long have you been saved? I said, about three days. I said, I need, I've got to get in this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this college, whatever it is you're doing, I've got to do this thing. 
he said, all right. They, they, they fast-track application for me, get it in, in the college. And I just, I was so pumped. I couldn't believe that they accepted it. I'm like, I'm college student. I'm like, bro, I thought I'd made it. Like, you know, I was so pumped. And then part of the roles was they, you got to be, if you're a college student, you had to pick an area within the church that you served. So I picked ushering. Shout out to all the ushers here at Free Chapel in Orange County. I picked ushering. I said, I'm gonna be an usher. Tell some people what to do. It was a process I was working through, you know. And so they said to give me an usher. They gave me a T-shirt and it had the church's name on the front. I was like, yeah. I was so pumped. I just couldn't believe that only about a few months earlier, I was living in sin away from God and now I got to usher in His house. I thought I'd get to do ushering. So I did ushering for a couple of weeks and then, and then I was in that team and then a couple of weeks became a few months. A few months became longer and I was doing ushering for about six months and they said to me, listen, you're doing a great job. Would you like to head up one of the ushering teams? I said, oh, bro, let's go. <laughs> Team captain? Yeah, yeah. Do I get an earpiece? I'm doing it. Give me an earpiece. I'm calling in like code nines. I'm making up things that don't even exist. We got a, a code blue in the lobby. People are like, what's a code blue? I'm like, just shut up. We got one. It's in the, in the lobby, code blue. I had this team. It was only small. It must have been five, six dudes. I said to these five, six guys, we start at nine o'clock. I said, I want you to meet me 10 to nine. I said, I've got a word. I've got a word. They're like, what do you mean? I said, just shut up and be there. I showed up, listen, ushers, no joke, at the back of the church, get these five dudes. I come with my Bible, I pray beforehand. I said, God, just give me something little, something to share. I was so intense. I get this word, I'm like, right, right. Look, listen, you know what we're doing? Shut up and listen to me. You know what we're doing? We're not ushering. We're serving in the house of God. I start preaching to these cats. I was so intense. They're looking at me like, what is wrong with this guy? We are ushering, bro. Chill out. I'm like, shut up. It's the house of God. We're going to pray. I'm at the back with four ushers, like, Shandaba, Sindaba, They're like, who is this guy? I'm like, I'm an usher. And I'm a head usher. And I got a word. I was so pumped. I was so pumped. And then they started giving me a little bit more to do. And a little bit more. Then I became usher over a few more teams. And then I'll never forget the church does a big conference every year, like our forward conference type thing. And they say, hey, would you like to, uh, we just picked the top ushers. Would you like to usher at the conference? I was like, oh. I bought two t-shirts. I don't know why, just needed one, but just felt good. They put me at the front. They had the little stanchions, you know, little zip stanchions. Because God is my witness. I got there early. My job was to let the speakers come through. God is my witness. Cannot lie in church. I got there early to practice. (laughs) I was so weird, bro. Like, what am I doing? Like, I look at it now and I think, my goodness, I practiced it. Because I was so pumped that I got to do this for God. Listen, I practiced. I'm standing there. Watch you go. Ready to roll. 
did that for the conference. Ended up getting offered a position as one of the youth staff. Started doing things in schools. God touched it. Kids started getting saved. I got elevated. I got promoted. And I became an a assistant youth pastor. I don't think there was ever, there still is never a day in ministry where I feel like I know what I'm doing. But God just somehow, because if you're faithful with a little, He'll give you much. And if you embrace the process, you actually don't realise what the process is going to lead you to and the purpose that's on the other end of the process. And I ended up becoming the youth pastor of that church. And conference time time came back around. It was about eight years later, conference time on the head youth pastor and, and they send out an email for for you know everything that's happening surrounding conference. And I get an email from the guest services team who were bringing out the speakers. There's a range of different speakers. T.D. Jakes had preached at that conference and, and um, Reggie Dabbs, um, Robert Morris was preaching that week. And so they sent, they sent me these list of different speakers and I'm looking at the sessions. I, I thought to myself, why is he sending me this? Like I don't, this was not my area that I was over for the conference. And he sent it to me and I click on the email and I open it and it shows all the sessions. And it has, it had, I think it was Pastor Chris Hill preaching. And then the next session was Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church. And then the next session at the top, it had Ben Prescott. And as God is my witness, I thought, they messed this up. So I get up, I get up and I go to the dude's office that is over guest services. And I said, bro, you put me down as like a main speaker following Robert Morris. Is that not meant to be like a youth session out the back? And he said, no, no, no. You're preaching after Robert Morris. And I said, why? <laughs> what idiot, pick this line up, bro. Robert Morris gets up there to preach and I prayed the whole time that he would bomb so bad. I wanted Robert Morris to preach the worst message that people had ever heard in their life because I thought it would make me look so much better when I got up to preach behind him. But he got up there and crushed it. And the whole time I'm thinking, how am I gonna, how am I gonna preach off the back? This dude's got one of the biggest churches in America. Like, I, feel, I still feel like I'm an usher. I get up there and I preach. And I just share what God gave me to share. And as I'm preaching, the whole time I'm preaching, I couldn't stop looking at the two stanchions that were down the front and the little usher sitting beside them. Because that for me was where the process began. Now, did I know that sharing a random, probably horrible little word with five ushers up the back of the church, did I have any idea that that, that, that would open the door? Listen to this, it was that conference that another speaker called Jensen Franklin was invited to preach. It was that conference that God TV asked me because I was the youth pastor and they said, will you do an interview with Jensen Franklin? So I sit down and do an interview with Jensen Franklin and we talk about life and he talks about his family. I don't know, but he's travelling with his daughter a 19-year-old girl called Caressa Franklin who walks into the green room and I thought, what dear Lord have we got here? <laughs> Hello somebody, let's make this happen. <laughs> Little did I know 
when I was leading a couple ushers preaching a word that probably didn't even make sense at church on a Sunday as an intern, that that right there would open the door to create space where I would meet who is now my wife, my father-in-law who I now oversee a a campus under, my wife who I'm now married to and have two kids. Listen, listen. Will you embrace the process? Because there's a purpose. That your process will lead you to. If God had said all of this to me, it would have been too much. I would have freaked out. But He does it just little bit by little bit. He says, get up and go. It might not make sense now, but it will when you get there. In Jesus Christ. name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.